As Pastor had said earlier, we're beginning today our sermon series, Walking Through the Letter of 1 John. And together we are going to kind of master this book. So over the next few weeks and uh, months, we're going to go through this book from beginning to end, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And we're going to sign on as students in John's School of Discipleship. And we're going to learn together and put into practice what he says about sin and confession, about fearless love, bold prayer, about the lordship of Jesus, the fellowship of the body. And I believe you will have greater assurance than you have ever known in your life that you are a child of God and that you belong to him. And if you sign on for this study, I believe you will live with a kind of confidence and boldness and assurance uh, you have never known. You will learn how to deal with the problem of sin ruthlessly and courageously. And you will have maximum clarity on exactly what it is that spiritual maturity consists of. And you will know Jesus better than you know him now. And you will grow at giving and receiving love. Does that sound good to anybody? Well, that's what we're going to dig into. So let's start with this. First, John uh, begs the question, who's John? All right. John, as you're going to see, is a follower of Jesus. He was Jesus' dearest and closest friend. It is arguably that no one ever loved Jesus as much as John did. And the reason I say that is because through the course of his life, John is known as, many of you know this, as the one whom Jesus loved. Jesus loved John. John loved Jesus. In fact, at the cross, Jesus, when he was being crucified, looked down and saw John, the author of this great letter, standing next to his mother Mary, and Jesus asked John to care for and to look after his mother Mary. And from that, we can see that they were very dear friends. That's John. That's the author of this great letter. And what happened was John began as a young man with Jesus as friends, and he's now, at the time of the writing of this letter, an old man toward the end of his life. John has relocated from the area of Galilee to a place of Ephesus. And we have a a map that will pop up. Ephesus is now in modern-day Turkey. And what happened was the church grew up around him. There were a number of Christians, and so there began a community of Jesus followers who grew to love Jesus because of John, and this became known as the Johannian community. But these Christians were in the second and third generation. Most of them were very young. They were not present for the words and the works of Jesus, but John was. So what John is going to do here is he's going to tell them about Jesus. Literally, 1 John is like Bible studies with Grandpa John. That's what it is. 
And this grandpa is writing to his spiritual grandchildren. He's an older man, maybe in his 90s. He's been around for a while. And as the church has grown, false teachers have crept into the church. And because of these false teachers, folks' assurance and security was challenged. And so John, now an old man, sits down to write a letter. This is a desperate attempt of a grandfather to securely anchor his children in the faith. And he writes one of the great foundational books of the New Testament. So, before we celebrate and remember the Lord's table this morning, we're going to look quickly at the first four verses of the text. So, to start with, I want you to look at the beginning of the letters 2 John and 3 John. They're just a page or two over in your Bibles. Uh, They're very close by. And I want you to look at how they differ from 1 John. And I'm going to say why that is important. 2 John, real short letter, verse 1 says, The elder to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth. 2 John 1. Now turn over to 3 John 1. Real short, the elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Now go back to 1 John 1. We're all going to begin this journey together. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of God. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. In verses 3 and 4, we proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Now, did you notice something different in 1 John from the other two epistles? John in 1 John does not start with a standard introduction. Kind of see the introductions in Paul's letters? You know, as a rule, when writing a letter, you would say who it is from, who it is to, and offer a salutation. Say hi. John doesn't do that. In verse 1, he begins with, that which was from the beginning. And if you remember the very first words of the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Before there was anyone to see or observe, God was at work. Genesis starts with, in the beginning. If you remember the first words of the gospel of John, the very beginning phrase, in the beginning was the word. In some ways, this letter, 1 John, is a commentary on the gospel of John. You're to read them side by side. And John echoes the same words in 1 John 1 1 here. That which was from the beginning, 
he goes on to say, is the word of life. Just as in the Gospel of John, he is talking about the word. That word which was from the beginning. You see, John starts with Jesus. And here's what's going on. When people get uncertain or afraid, as John's congregation was, we tend to obsess on ourselves and ask questions like, how am I doing? Am I spiritual enough? Do I know enough? John wants them to know that that is not where you start. You start with Jesus. That is the starting place. And because the urgency factor is so high, John blows right past an introductory. And he dives into that which was from the beginning. And he says, that is what we have heard, that what we have saw with our own eyes, we touched. And we just didn't see it, we saw it with our eyes, which is an interesting phrase. You know, occasionally we'll say something Uh, say we saw something with our own eyes. Understand, that's not about information. It's not like we think people wonder, well, whose eyes did we see it with? This is a way of affirming the fact that he personally experienced this. He saw it with his own eyes. Seven different verbs describe his experience with Jesus here. Four times he talks about seeing Twice he talks about hearing. Once he talks about actually touching. Touching Jesus. And John is touched. And is saying that you can be sure of Jesus. You may not be able to be sure of much in this world. You may not be able to sure of who's going to win the Super Bowl today. But you can be sure of Jesus. He came in flesh and blood, and we saw him, we heard him, we touched him. You see, John followed Jesus. And for those of us who are seeking to live confidently, the starting place is always the same. Immerse yourself in Jesus. And maybe what this means is that you need to read a lot about him. You know, the community that John was writing to would be immersed in the gospel of John. They would have read it and read it and read it so many times, it would have become part of who they were. And maybe that's what you need to do, is just immerse yourself in Jesus. And so as we go through this series, maybe the next few weeks and months, maybe one of the things you need to do is simply read the gospel of John repeatedly until Jesus is with you. In my teen years, uh, I had grown up in the church. I've told people, I don't know what it's like not to be in church. Uh, I grew up as a pastor's kid. And so from the time I was born to today, I have lived and worked in the church. And in my teen years, I kind of went through, as most teens do, my existential crisis. And I began to question everything. Questioning how things work, why church people do the things church people do. And I had a a wise friend who came to me and listened to me and understood the struggles I was having. 
And he said, James, you know a lot about the church. You know a lot about doctrine. He goes, but I want to challenge you to pick up the Bible and simply read the red letters. That's what he said. Read the red letters. Many of you know in a lot of modern Bible translations, the words of Jesus are in red. And he said, I I want you to kind of put everything else aside. Just read the red letters. And you know, as a young teenager, I began to simply study and read Jesus. And over time, I fell in love with Jesus. And I was moved to the point that I wanted to do nothing more than to be with Jesus, to learn from Jesus how to live like Jesus. That can happen for you. Immerse yourself in Jesus. Jesus has changed my life. And John says that we have experienced Jesus, and he is the word of life. It's the term that he uses of Jesus. Some translations capitalize it there, the word, to know that this is a person and not just an idea. This is the word of life. Jesus' life, the life that flows from God. And in verse 2, it says, this life appeared, it's a key word. We have seen it to testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and he says, and has appeared to us. In other words, the point is, Jesus is the revelation of God. Jesus is not just a revelation of God. He is the revelation of God. There is no way to know God except in Jesus. You know, knowing God is like trust with the person. Trust is always a byproduct of knowledge. And as you get to know somebody who is trustworthy, you begin to trust them. So how do you find out if God is trustworthy? Will you get to know him? And how do you get to know God? Through Jesus. You know, it's unique about the Christian faith. Often when people want to know about God, they will start with abstract philosophical categories like God is omnipotent or God is omnipresent. John says, start with Jesus. Get to know Jesus. And then you will know who God is. You know, a wonderful Christian writer by the name of Madeline Engel writes about a two-and-a-half-year-old girl whose parents had another baby girl. Little gift from God, they said, told her. And these parents had read all the right books on how to deal with sibling rivalry. And when they had brought the baby home, the older girl was allowed to hold and feed her little sister. And the parents tried to help the two-and-a-half-year-old keep her from feeling kind of downgraded or out of the spotlight. So at bedtime, they would spend extra time with their older child. Everything seemed fine until one day the two-and-a-half-year-old said, I want to see the baby. And they said, okay, well, come, uh, you know, come with mommy and daddy and we'll go see her. And the two-and-a-half-year-old said, no, 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 I want to see her all by myself. And they said, no, 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 mommy and daddy, we'll go with you. No, 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 I want to see her alone. 
And she was rather adamant about it. And the parents were a little nervous about this, but finally they gave in because there was an infant monitor in the room. And they figured if they needed to, they could just listen and rush into the room if they needed to. Madame Leingo writes, This little girl goes up to the baby's room all by herself and then up to the crib and they listen on the baby monitor. She goes up to the baby and says, Tell me about God. I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting. You know, this is a problem with the human race. It's a problem with the people in the church that John is writing to. John says, let me tell you what God is like. Because some of you are forgetting. And if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. And if you immerse yourself in Jesus, read about him over and over and make him your constant daily companion, then I guarantee you will have a greater spiritual assurance. Not because you have so much trust in how you are doing, not because you have so much trust in how you're dealing with things, because, but because you trust in Jesus. 1 John 1.1 1, 1 says, That which was from the beginning is Jesus. And he says that you can be sure of him and that we know that we're, what we're going to talk about because we have seen him, we've looked at him, we've heard him, we have felt him. And John says that he is the expression of God, the word of life, and through him God has revealed himself. And then verses 3 and 4, John says there are two purposes here. As a result of writing this letter, he wants two things to happen for them. One is that they grow in fellowship. We talked about this a lot last week. This is one of the most important words of the New Testament, and it's sometimes translated as communion or partnership or the word koinonia, which means to share in something common. Sometimes it's used about people that partner together in ministry Sometimes it's used to people who share financial resources with each other. But it's about the experience of unity. Being brought together in fellowship. Again, John here is echoing the gospel of John and the prayer of Jesus himself. Who said in John 17, 20-23, when Jesus says to his father, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one Father. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You know, as the world observes the experience of authentic community, it will believe that God is at work in this world. And this is one of the reasons why unity is so important. Unity Fellowship is the signature of God. And it was being blown apart by false teachers in the church that John was addressing. And he says that we have to have absolute clarity on this. Unity, fellowship, koinonia are foundational. Because they are the evidences that God is at work. You may have never thought about this before. But when you think 
about the fact that you are here this morning is an example that God is at work in your life. There are a lot of forces pulling in other directions this morning. A big game, furnace not working, a lot of reasons not to be here this morning. But you have gathered here to worship and to learn. That's koinonia. That's unity. That's fellowship. In fact, John says one of the clearest signs that false teachers are off track is they have no commitment to the body. He says this in 1 John 2.19, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. You know, one of the clearest signs that these are false teachers and are off track is they have no commitment to the body, to the fellowship, to unity. An indispensable sign that God is present is the development of fellowship, of unity. And this leads to joy. Verse 4, the very end, we write this to make our joy complete. Joy is a primary theme through the book of 1 John. And here John echoes the gospel of John when Jesus says in John 15, 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You see, what God is up to is the perfection of your joy and the perfection of his joy. And when you come right down to it, at the end of the day, what is going to be left? It is going to be a whole lot of joy with God and with others. And when we focus on Jesus and his life and band together, united as fellow siblings in Christ, we have joy. And it is available right now. And of course, people who lack full assurance of God go through life with anxiety and guilt. And that destroys joy. So allow your fellowship with Jesus and with other believers bring you joy. We're going to continue to grow in that as we continue to study this book. As we master this book, and we're going to do this together. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for your revealed Son, Jesus. God, thank you for John and his faith, his allegiance to you, and for his willingness to go all out in sharing about his experience and the truth of the life that is available in and through Jesus Christ. God, I pray that as we begin this series and walk through this letter, may we be challenged to follow Jesus, to invite him into our lives, to allow him to walk with us through our day, moment by moment by moment. Help us to be with Jesus, to learn from Jesus how to live like Jesus, so that we may be drawn together 
and this wonder fellowship of unity and experience the joy that will go on for eternity. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.